I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence, and you're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Adam Lieberman, Head of Artificial Intelligence and Machine Learning for Finastra. We're discussing bias in AI and financial inclusion. What are the issues? Is it still the black box problem people were talking about last year? I think so, uh, to some extent. You know, really, when we look at you know financial inclusion and we look at bias and fairness, there are two topics that are you know a bit interrelated, but but separate on their own. You know, when when we talk about algorithmic fairness, yes, to some degree, there are models and objective functions that can exhibit the behavior of unfairness or bias, but it's really a, a data issue, and you really have to inspect your data, look at it from the root and identify you know, where is your bias coming from before you start actually doing your model. So to some degree, yes, you know, these models can be black box models, but there are you know, a high degree of models that are very interpretable, that you can understand their results and still get that, that bias from it. Okay, the exciting thing about the use of artificial intelligence, particularly when it comes to something like financial inclusion, people tell me, is that AI, ML, and alternative data sources can be great helps in enabling finance for good. True, false. True. I, I think, look, you know, when, when we think of artificial intelligence and machine learning, you know, the first things that come into mind are scale, automation, replicating human behavior on these very, very difficult tasks. And of course, you know, the ability to, to make money from the productization of these models. And, you know, these are all great, but data coupled with machine learning can really enable us to build a better tomorrow and really help those struggling with financial inclusion, things like financial literacy, fairness in financial decisions, and so much more. And really, you know, when we look at this, this finance for good space, you know, data, machine learning, AI are, are crucial, crucial players in it. And, you know, there, there's some really amazing use cases that we can tackle uh, to help people all over the world. We can build analytical tools to teach people about their finances, tackle bias and data and algorithmic models for life-changing financial decisions. And then, you know, one of my favorite use cases, which is helping the credit invisible get access to loans for automobiles, mortgages, startup businesses, emergencies. And, you know, it's a, a really beautiful space solving problems for people in need through the power of data and machine learning. All sounds very uplifting. My issue that I'd like you to explore is alternative data, the problem being that alternative data can be, if I can put it this way, open to interpretation, by its nature, potentially more of a value judgment than traditional credit scoring. How do we keep the AI honest when it's dealing with that? Yeah, you know, pinpointing the right alternative data sources is a, a very tough job. You know, you really have to think with the problem in mind, you have to work with your domain experts that can point you in the right direction for the alternative data that makes sense for the problem. To keep the model honest, you know, you, you do have to start at the root. You really have to inspect the data. You know, there's so many different statistical tests that you need to run and look at correlations to see if it makes sense for your problem at hand. But, you know, in terms of, you know, a problem like the credit invisible, for example, you know, we, we have the traditional data that goes into a FICO score, but, you know, there's a lot of data points that you could look at that could give you a picture of somebody's financial responsibility that, you know, are a little more creative in nature. You could look at rental payments, asset ownership, you know, utility bills, any public file records, you know, even phone billing data or subscriptions. And, you know, these really can give you, you know, a picture of somebody's 
financial responsibility without needing you know, those traditional data points that go into a model. You're still talking specifically about financial data there, specifically financial data. How do you define something like fairness? Fairness doesn't have one overarching definition. It's a very complex and multifaceted concept that really depends on the problem at hand and the data that you're using. For example, my definition of fairness, if I'm building an image classifier, is going to be very, very different than my definition of fairness for a problem where I'm trying to predict home mortgage approval. You really need to look at legal and governmental definitions and restrictions to identify you know, what is the exact definition of fairness for your problem at hand. The other thing to say about this is that, and you did allude to this in a sense earlier on, this is not a one and done process. It's constant monitoring, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, we're running tests all the time on our models to look at you know, how our data changes over time, how it drifts, and then also how the fairness changes in terms of the predictions of the model. So you really do need to monitor it over time. Why would you say, and you, you do, that it's essential that financial service providers prioritize fairness and inclusion over performance? Surely performance actually includes fairness and inclusion. To some degree, it does. I think if you look at the traditional methods to evaluate a machine learning model, you know, there's a handful of metrics that we look at that we run tests on to determine if a model is of good quality or not. But not all of them actually are, are people related. Um, they're not actually looking at the individuals or the groups of individuals as a whole. Um, there's many different metrics specific to fairness that we need to run. But, you know, there's also a trade off. If you look at a lot of very, very fair models, they, ha- they tend to have, you know, less accuracy, less of an F1 score. So there's really a balance you need to find between the two different sets of metrics. Because we can have a model that is very, very accurate, but then when we go look at the confounding variables or the links to these sensitive attributes, we can find that it's a very biased model. Um, for example, if we have you know, very unbalanced data between two classes, you know, our model can just learn to predict the majority and get you know, 95% accuracy, but it's completely biased in nature. So that's where we'd have to go and look at these very, very specific fairness criteria that we derive, turn them into statistical measures, and then run those tests to say, hey, you know, is our model actually fair, even though it has this awesome performance? Well, even if it's 95% accurate, that still means you've got 5%, to use your phrase, who would be credit invisible. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's where it's interesting because we need to look at the problem at hand. You know, there are some problems where, you know, getting 75 or 80 percent accuracy or whatever your performance criteria is fantastic. You know, it's exceeding what humans can do. But then there's other cases where, you know, if you look at the healthcare industry, you have to be 99.99999 percent accurate because people's lives are at stake. So I think it really depends on the severity of the problem at hand and, you know, how life changing it is going to be for somebody. Well, frankly, if you're talking about financial inclusion, it is as as life changing as anything that could happen in healthcare. And frankly, if you don't get it right, or if these people don't get access to the funds they need and they require to live their lives, then it's going to be life ending for them as well. So you need that high level of, I'd argue, you need that high level of accuracy in financial services too. Oh, I agree 100 percent. You know, we think about it all the time. You know, people can't get a credit card if they can't get an auto loan. You know, if they don't get a mortgage approval, this really affects their life. And on that note, thank you very much, Adam Lieberman, head of artificial intelligence and machine learning at Finastra.